0: Thanks for tuning in everyone. I just want to give you all some updates on Health Unchained. I currently have 163 followers on the Twitter machine. So I would like to ask all you listeners to dust off that old Twitter account and follow Health Unchained without the last E. I'm hoping to reach a thousand by the end of the year, or even hopefully sooner. Secondly, if you haven't used Telegram yet, you should try it out. It's a great messaging platform. And there's an active Health Unchained Telegram group that has conversations and debates about the topics in my podcast. Lastly, if you are still new to the intersection of healthcare and blockchain, you should really check out the online Udemy course meant to teach non-technical people about blockchain's implications on healthcare. The course includes sections on cryptography, consensus mechanisms, smart contracts, and how they apply to the healthcare industry. The course is available on your smartphone, and you'll get a certificate when you're done. You can get 75% off if you use promo code DOGUM2019. That's my last name, DOGUM2019. You can find the link in the show notes or search for blockchain and healthcare on udemy.com. It should be the first result created by Jacob Dreyer from Simply Vital Health. You can find all the links directly in the show notes of the app or the website you are on currently right now. Check it out. Now, for today's show, we veer slightly away from the medical or clinical side of healthcare, and we focus more on the food supply chain management industry. As we all kind of know, good food is essential for good health. What you eat directly affects how your body feels and ultimately how it grows and then ages. In this episode, my guest Kevin Cutler talks about how he turned his life around by eating healthy and actually tracing his food sources. Kevin is currently head of marketing and operations at a startup called Biteable Inc. Biteable Foods is an online marketplace for local foods that helps consumers, producers, distributors, manufacturers, packers, processors, and retailers share data in a way that's traceable and transparent. If you've ever questioned where your Wagyu beef came from, you'll enjoy this interview. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogen, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I'll be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show.
1: What is blockchain? What is blockchain? Blockchain. Yes. Blockchain. What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now.
0: Welcome to Health Unchained. Today's guest is Kevin Cutler, and we're going to discuss the various aspects of the food supply chain industry and how it affects our health. Kevin is head of marketing and operations at Biteable Foods, an Iowa-based company using blockchain, to create a network of farmers, distributors, and retailers that can use tools to save costs on food waste and provide transparency to consumers. Kevin, thanks for joining me today. I know you are a person who is really passionate about shedding light on all these food issues. So can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the food industry?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, my professional background is, well, I'm a CPA. Uh, been in public accounting for about six years uh, doing financial. And I also got a background in IT auditing, you know, control points, uh, compliance with Sarbanes-Oxley um, to make sure that reports are accurate, that they're pulling the correct data. And then how I got into the food industry. Well, food has always been interesting in my life. Uh, quick little story. About a year ago, I was about 315 pounds. I'm now around 245. Um, it all started when I got a blood test done for my doctor and my blood sugar was, you know, in the 120s up to the 130 range. And she told me, yeah, those are inching towards pre-diabetic levels. And I got scared. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really scared, actually. So then my first thing was, all right, I'm just going to start researching how do I get my blood sugar down? Because I never really thought about it much. I mean it obviously should have been self-explanatory but uh started going on weight loss uh, started doing the different tricks like apple cider vinegar before a meal and that basically work for you? any of those yeah so yeah. to to get to where so once i hit around 270 or 260 it wasn't necessarily the weight it was changing how i ate i went back and got my uh labs done again and I also have a blood sugar monitor. I'm consistently around the eighties now. So I had about a 40 to 45 point swing in my blood sugar levels. My triglycerides, uh, you know, HDL, LDL all improved. And I noticed that I had a lot more energy. My sleep was better. I used to snore, um, realized, I mean, I was told that I don't snore anymore. So then I got really passionate into health. And then i wanted to start digging even further started listening to more podcasts and then i started looking at labels and started saying like because i was all caught up on just counting calories counting macros but then i was like how do i know that the information on this label is accurate so then i started studying about where does where does your meat come from what are some chemicals that could be in there same thing with vegetables and then I started finding some products that um, I really can stand behind from farmers I could trust. And just eating meat that, you know, isn't coming from the factory farm. It may cost a little more, but I noticed that I was feeling much better. Coffee even, knowing a better source. I just basically it set me down a path of how good can I feel?
1: Hmm.
2: And that's how I got into the food industry, uh, getting passionate about food.
0: Very interesting, yeah, and and you're right. Knowing you know the source of your foods is super important. I think I read somewhere that in a single hamburger patty at McDonald's, you can have maybe up to a hundred different cows in that one hamburger patty, which means you know, yeah. they're just like mixing it up. And yeah, that's just uh, it's pretty amazing to me. Um, <laughs> and you also have a podcast too, and um, you know you work with a few other. Colleagues Know Better Live Best is the name of it. You want to tell us quickly about what that's about?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, Us being blockchain in the food industry, we also think just a huge task that everyone in this industry, the food industry who's for the slow foods movement or just the movement of healthy food in general is the education piece. So the podcast is hosted by a kindergarten teacher Mm -hmm. and uh, we talk to people throughout all of the food system, everyone who's affected by it. So healthcare professionals, farmers, and also people that are actually in the food industry, like butchers, uh, restaurant owners. And we get to hear their story. It's all about improving the health literacy of the public and also generating the awareness that what you eat and how you vote with your dollars to what you eat does matter. It has more of an impact on not just your health, the health of the environment and uh the health of economies worldwide
0: yeah absolutely and that sticks with the theme of blockchain where community in general is just so important uh, i actually listened to a few episodes one was with a, a former um a candidate for iowa governor uh gary oh, yeah, that, that was, that was an interesting one. one and he talked about how important water was and just as you know the, how um managing water supply and keeping it clean and knowing where it's coming from is, is really important
2: um, yeah, to speak about that, his name is Gary Siegworth. Uh, he works for the Iowa DNR. Um, he, he's a really passionate and great guy. And the what he's trying to do, the education he's trying to get out there to the rest of Iowa is really good.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I learned a lot about Iowa when I was researching Biteable uh, Foods and, um, you know, in preparation with my conversation with you. 85% of Iowa's land is actually farmed. I thought that was a pretty significant amount of, of land, um, and if you would
2: have asked me, I would have thought it was ninety nine percent.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyone who's driven through Iowa going down I eighty, uh, pretty much you just see primarily corn just everywhere.
0: And I think the average farm size is actually three hundred forty five acres. And if you think about Iowa overall that's farmed, it's there's over. 30 million acres of land in Iowa that's farmed. So if the average farm size is 345, you have a lot of farms in Iowa, separate farms. There's like over 80,000 individual farms, all doing potentially slightly different practices of farming. When there is some sort of issue with the supply chain, or let's say there's a recall, how do you identify which which farm it started from? That's something I believe Biteable Foods is trying to work on. Can you kind of explain a little bit how how that would work for a farmer?
2: As of right now, it's not good. Basically, no one can really know where things come from. Um, Just for for example, you hear about all the romaine recalls and other lettuces and beef or whatever. People don't know where it originated from. So we're saying, we gotta throw it away all over the nation. So if you're throwing away romaine lettuce all over the nation, Mm because you don't know where it comes from think of how many millions of dollars and also just the impact our environment i i find it i mean not all of that lettuce is bad right but to be safe most we're throwing away everything.
0: probably not bad actually
2: oh exactly i mean the benefit of blockchain and getting people all on the same distributed ledger technology is i'll give you a case scenario let's say you know shredded lettuce is pretty popular let's say we don't know where it came from. We're saying, all right, we need to throw away all uh, lettuce. But what if we found out that the contamination happened at one cutting plant for that shredded lettuce? So we'd only have to throw away the lettuce that went through that cutting plant. Hmm. And that could reduce the amount that we're throwing away.
0: Interesting. So can you tell us about Biteable, like where Biteable Foods came from? And when did it start? Tell us about the founders, if you could.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, the founders are Brett Dugan, uh, the CTO, and JC Ritmer, the CEO. Um, both of them are Iowa. Brett Dugan, he's actually one of my best friends since I was 14 uh, out of Davenport, Iowa, and JC's out of uh, Cedar Rapids. So, JC Ritmer grew up on a farm, um, had family, had friends who were farmed. They never really questioned where their food came from. So when she went off to college, she started noticing that some of the food didn't taste as good. And she started questioning some of the ingredients. Uh, And Brett, his story is extremely similar to me. He was also pretty overweight. I'm pretty sure he's lost 200 pounds (laughs) since his... Yeah, so then we, him, like me, got really into finding out where food comes from. Uh, Both of their backgrounds are in science, technology, engineering... Brett specifically electrical engineering and uh, you know developing and they first began trying to be as a solution for local food but we realized that really the main thing is people just want to know where their food comes from mm-hmm. and uh, people are more likely to support a product and be a lifelong um, supporter of a product or farm if they actually can have assurance that what they're getting is what they're getting so that that's what it was um just wanting people because there's so many people out there that want to make the right decision Mm -hmm. they want to make what's healthy but when things are misleading and you can't really know where things come from that's what we're trying to do provide assurance
0: got it understood so how i mean like what are the top three food items that are often mislabeled people are thinking they're buying something either organic or Whatever, but it tends to be not true. Do you know uh, um, what types of food, or is it is it in the livestock? Is it vegetables, fruits?
2: It's pervasive throughout all industries or all all food. I mean, I mean, one that is starting to get a lot of attention now is seafood. Uh, WebMD, I check there every once in a while. They had a recent article saying. Buyer beware, seafood fraud rampant. I mean, that's been known for a while. Hmm. But yeah, so there's a conservation group, Oceana, found that 21% of fish that researchers sampled across the United States was mislabeled. I'm taking this from that WebMD article. Hmm. Uh, So 21% mislabeled. And uh, basically what's happening is the more desirable and healthy fish is getting replaced with a cheaper fish. So the most popular ones that are getting mislabeled are, uh, it said that 55% of sea bass was mislabeled and wow. 42% of snapper. And this is a really scary thing because there is a movement in, a, in America, I think. P- people are seeing all of the diseases pop up, like type 2 diabetes, heart disease. People are trying to make the right decision. But if you're trying to get sea bass, for example, and it can be wrong half the time, that's a problem
0: so what are the dangers though so if it's wrong would it be like a different type of fish that they're selling or is it a different type of fish um,
2: you know it could be raised differently it could be caught in a region that isn't healthy i mean there's a lot of different problems that can occur in the seafood industry uh maybe not as rigorous testing for uh levels of mercury or other uh, metals which can be damaging on the body
0: I see. So it's the quality control that's different.
2: Yeah. Polish and then also, language. as far as mislabeling goes, there there's a lot there's a lot of different things you could mean by that. There is a uh, mislabel due to fraud or uh, error, um, you know, just incompetence, an accident. Um, and there's also personally misleading, which I guess... Legally, they could be right, but have you ever heard of the Country of Origin Act?
0: Uh, tell me about it, not really.
2: So, basically, the laws the laws on the books are not as good as they should be right now. So, basically, what qualifies as U.S. beef just means that it had to have uh, taken place, it had to have been in a USDA plan. So, then, for example, um, like this puts uh, us producers at a disadvantage because you can have let's say for example uh, cattle producers in uh, south america who are flooding the market with uh cheaper meat which might not have to go through the same exact rigorous testing that um would be in the united states so that already puts local producers at an advantage on price points and then uh that not only does it make it harder for farmers in America to compete against those things, there's also potential, um, you know, health problems with that too if it's not going through the same inspections. And then also, um, they can they can make claims, you know, people that are um, producers from South American com- uh, countries uh, saying this is grass fed, when the standards to make grass fed aren't as rigorous outside the united states that there's just a lot of misinformation going on so if someone's Mm -hmm. someone reads let's just say someone really wants to buy grass-fed meat Mm -hmm. they need to look more than just if something says grass-fed
0: got you and how does so now i want to talk a little bit about how blockchain can help with all this like technically speaking um how can blockchain help with recalls, for example, and which step of the process, how is it gonna affect the farmer's day-to-day or the distributors' day-to-day work?
2: Um, Well, with blockchain, you'll have everyone, I guess I'll just talk about Biteable's values uh, quick and then tie it into that. So with blockchain, you always hear the word transparency. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what we're going for. Uh, We want transparency uh, for the producer, we want transparency for the retailer or the restaurant. And we're actually uh, providing that transparency all the way to the consumer. So, um, we recently did a egg pilot not too long ago. Um, so there was an egg producer out of Iowa. And what we did was we partnered with other grocery stores. So we put our biteable label on that egg carton. Mm -hmm. So then in those stores, Um, People had the chance with their smartphone to go scan that label, right? And on there, you were able to track those eggs all the way from where it is in the store through the supply chain all the way back to where it originated from. All of that information right there is the exact same information that the producer has and the supply chain has. So with blockchain, with the way we're doing it, no one can manipulate that. So, for example, if the producer, what the cus- what the consumer is seeing is the exact same information that the producer is saying. So, like, the consumer, the consumer can't say, hey, or the producer can't say, oh, I want the consumer to make it seem like it came from here, but right. I'm going to have my own information that's accurate.
0: Well, no, it's
2: I, the exact same information.
0: And I'm sure, based on what you're saying, there are companies out there that are mis- informing consumers and they are doing that as business as usual and they find this to be a threat to their their potential business model i mean overall because you know if you're going to provide transparency in that case you know they might go out of business because then people will realize that they're they've been feeding or they've been um you know delivering false foods
2: yeah i'll speak i mean this isn't the case all the time but will say that the larger the market share a producer of a certain kind gets the less they want transparency Hmm. the less they want the consumer to know everything that goes in because a lot of the really big producers and kind of the way a lot of that i'd say most of ag is done Hmm. in in america is we just want the cheapest product Hmm. we just want the cheap the most efficient way to grow as much Product as we can on this land, so that we can sell it to the consumer for as cheap as possible. And when you do things like that, your the food isn't as safe. Foodborne illness. uh, I think the last statistic I read is uh, one in like a person gets it once a year, Hmm. roughly.
0: And I actually read on the World Health Organization website that about ten percent of Um, People get sick from foodborne illnesses every year. So it's like 600 million people and what's even more interesting is Children under five years of age carry 40% of that foodborne disease burden. So 125,000 children under five years old die every year because of foodborne illnesses according to the, the WHO the World Health Organization International. So um, I'm sure it's not as bad in the United States as it is in some other countries with much lower levels of quality controls for foods, but still, I mean, this biteable foods can be applied globally. So this is not just a Iowa based thing, but it can work anywhere.
2: Exactly. Well, we did start in, uh, Iowa. I just wanted to clarify. We're actually in Colorado Springs right now. Okay. I can get to that later when I talk about the Bitable food store. Okay. But uh, yeah, back to just um, the big benefit of this blockchain, sharing that full transparency is just to make consumers feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. what they're buying. And also to provide a lot of times when in the past, when producers have been asked to just input data, they haven't been able to see that. A lot of times you have middlemen in the market fixing a price for uh, meat or another commodity what we're trying to do is all the data that's going to be capturing we we want to give that back to the uh, producer we want them to see what is the demand for their product hmm. actually you know so that they can set a fairer price
0: Welcome to the Health Chain News Corner. Sticking with the theme of this episode, today's News Corner article is about the world's second largest supermarket company and its announcement to use IBM's Food Trust blockchain to pilot tracking the supply chain of romaine lettuce. Albertsons has over 2,300 stores across the United States with $57 billion in sales in 2017. There are over 80 brands including Walmart, nestle Dole foods tyson foods kroger and unilever that are involved with ibm's food trust with their blockchain they have the ability to rapidly find the source of a bad batch of produce and specifically remove the goods from circulation as early as 2016 ibm and walmart did a proof of concept with china's pork market reducing tracking time from days to minutes in 2018 Walmart actually mandated that all their leafy green produce suppliers would be integrated into the Food Trust blockchain by September 2019. The actual link to the mandate could be found in my show notes. Wouldn't you like to scan your bag of spinach and know with certainty where it came from? Not only can blockchain help with drug supply chain tracking and healthcare, but it can make a huge impact on the food industry. By tracking and tracing your delicious, crunchy romaine lettuce. Now, go make yourself a Caesar salad. You deserve it. And now back to the show with Kevin Cutler from Biteable Inc. So blockchain's been talked about and used in multiple different verticals, industries. Uh, And you're a CPA, so I'm sure that you have thought about how blockchain will change finance and um, auditing purposes or operations how did you first hear about blockchain, and what were your thoughts initially, and what are your thoughts now?
1: About I'll
2: be honest. I don't know if it was a few years ago, five years ago. I just heard of a thing called Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What? What's this? Mm-hmm. Uh, this seems dumb," and I never thought about it again.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but basically, what happened was it coincided with me going on my weight loss and health journey, so around April of last year, I think I was down like 45 pounds and I started really trying to figure out where my food comes from. And then my best friend, since I was 14 told me about what he was doing with uh biteable uh, foods. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. So then I started helping them out with it, doing odd odds and ends. And then um, that's when the podcast started actually. Hmm. Um, nice. And we we're like, we need to try to, cause at the end of the day, to make a better food system, the people have to demand it. Right. Then the market will react. So that's where the education piece came with our podcast. Started doing that, um, but yeah, that's how I got into blockchain. Was biteable foods.
0: Got you. Uh, question here: What are what is like the biggest barrier for adoption right now? Um. For biteable foods, I would say, in
2: particular, edible foods. I would say blockchain in general too is just mm, yeah. there are stake there are stakeholders that don't want transparency.
0: Yeah, I was I was alluding to <laughs> that earlier. Exactly.
2: Yeah, uh, some of the I'm not saying all bigger uh, supply chains are all bigger foods, but if people are producing, a, you know, let's just say a really low cost meat, they might be like well, why would I want people to know everything that's going into this or where it's been? It would hurt our margins. Right. So th- that's a barrier. Um, and also just as far as technology goes, I think in my in- I, if I'm drawing on my experience uh, as an auditor, I've gone into places that have uh, transferred from one ERP system to another ERP system. And people don't really like change and that can just be a big headache you know Mm -hmm. changing from a system to another system so um i'd say just getting people on board with technology um that can be a barriers to um as of right now for everyone the cost of implementing blockchain can be high and maintaining that Hmm. so being able to show the value of it is a very important part
0: what components of tracing and tracking does blockchain help with exactly?
2: I mean, it all comes down to how it's implemented. I mean, this is something we're working on too, obviously, but you see there's people out there that, let's just say a blockchain company does have people on a supply chain on it, but controls all the ownership in one cloud base and doesn't allow other people access to it or ownership of the data. How is that really much different than a database?
0: Good question. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so um, I'd say it it comes down to if it's implemented like it's supposed to be, or we're truly distributing the ledger to all the stakeholders along the supply chain, let's just say from a farm all the way to the consumer, it's more reliable, uh, less likely to be falsified, Mm -hmm. uh, it's updated in real time. Um, Like, uh, for example, with this, I'll talk briefly about our IoT software and temperature sensing. Yeah, um, we, yeah, we have some uh, prototypes uh, with that. Actually, fun story of uh, our online store—we're selling meat too. We actually used our IoT sensor that temp- uh, temperature sensor to test our product. You know, to see how long it stayed cool in a cooler.
1: Hmm.
2: Well, anyways, with that, um, uh, that IoT sensor updates. You know, you could have it run every minute. What's the temperature of it? That can automatically feed information to the blockchain. That's just more information. So uh, from if you have a temperature uh, sensitive product, you know, while it's being distributed, everyone along the supply chain in real time would be able to see if it ever fell out of temperature compliance. We're We're not hiding that from anyone along the supply chain. Because um, I'll give you a case example. So um, in my business, I've talked to a lot of uh, cattle ranchers, other people across the nation that have temperature sensitive products. And you'll hear the story. It's quite common where someone uh, brings beef to someone and they're like, you gave it to me spoiled. And the other person's like, no, I didn't. I gave it to you. I think your people spoiled the beef well the benefit of blockchain in this iot sensor is it takes one at least one guesswork out of it because from the transport of the beef from the producer all the way to the end consumer if you had iot in real time temperature sensing and both of them at the same time would ever know if it fell out of temperature compliance you would know if the if the spoilage had to do with a t- um you know, not, keep Keepings temperature compliant during the um, the Transport. shipping of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking about how blockchain is used to track or record the provenance of fruits and vegetables. So, imagining, you know, I'm in Colombia and you know there's some bananas or something, and uh, I don't even think that's where most bananas come from. But um, how? does IOT record where the origin of the fruit was coming from or is coming from?
2: Uh, yeah, so... Uh, does it use GPS? That, and, uh... Yeah, GPS, yeah. So you'd be able to see there. And then there's also other control points we're working on because um, obviously we're still in development with some things, but we're also working on control points. Uh, and we we also want to be auditable. Like mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of how you would know where it came from and an example of how do you know that that's what arrived at the next step well we could have sensors on a box right and you could get alerted anytime that box was opened or container was opened before it got to uh, got to its uh, end destination
0: so you have like special types of locks or digital keypads or something that kind of yeah, those. those
2: yeah, yeah, that's what we're uh, trying to do right now. That's that's those are items we're looking into. Very cool. And I will say, right now, we're primarily focusing on meat, dairy, eggs, but we're actively trying to get into produce as well.
0: Meat, dairy, eggs, and,
2: okay. and coffee, for that example.
1: Hmm.
2: One of our podcasts, actually on the Biteable podcast, "No Better, Live Best," was uh, the CEO of. Uh, gold mountain coffee growers. Mm, cool. He's actually a really cool guy. Um, he used to be a foreign policy advisor for yeah. uh, the United States, but he went down to Nicaragua, which, um, you know, is, is ridden with poverty. And he, he found that there are a lot of these coffee growers that were just not making enough money to pay their family. And if you don't know much about coffee, it is rigorous. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort. That's why ri- how we vote with our dollars matters for this so this is a good case use for blockchain not necessarily just for health but for socioeconomic reasons as well like i am much more likely to spend a little bit more money if it means that that product is going if that money is going towards a direct trade relationship where i know that people are at least getting paid living wages Mm. and if if you google this you'll find in around the world with coffee and some other things, it's more or less kind of like slave labor because they can't even make enough money to pay their own family, uh, feed their own families.
0: It's really sad and unfortunate. I hope that, you know, providing this transparency will allow these people to, um, have better lives and, or prevent abuse of these people. Um, so, you know, you talked about some of the these companies can you tell me more about biteable foods um other partners or major users
2: yeah i mean we want everyone along the uh, supply chain and the consumer to utilize um biteable oh our official name is biteable inc by the way but mm-hmm. biteable foods is you know
0: the trademark that's I mean.
2: our that's our website and that's the store you can go to but as far as uh I'll start with the consumer. Uh, we launched an online store called uh, shop.biteable.com. Uh, we partnered with Mike Calicrate of Calicrate Beef. Uh, he d- uses regenerative farming, and y- you know the meat is quality. Um, so that- Can you need to um, describe
0: regenerative farming, just for the audience?
2: Yeah, so um, big ag, uh, you'll see it a lot right now, so soil health is a big issue. So. Let's say you're using a lot of fertilizer, you using nitrogen and just trying to get as much out of a land as possible. Just like, all right, what's what's the most I can grow that actually has devastating impact on the soil health and the water? And one example of soil health today is, um, for example, uh, most Americans are magnesium deficient Hmm. and it's not primarily just because of what we're eating. Uh, Like the choices we're making, the food just does not have as much magnesium as it used to. So even though we're trying to produce all of this food as much as we can for cheaper, it's not as nutritious as it was decades ago because the soil has been depleted of a lot of those trace minerals. Hmm. So regenerative farming is a way to make sure that we have the soil health that we need Um, And our waterways aren't getting depleted so that the food actually has more nutrients. There's studies, people doing it right now where, well, it's kind of going back to the way farming used to be in a sense where uh, you had cattle or other animals grazing and then them eating the grass and then the manure that naturally comes from them replenishes the grass and other other fruits or vegetables. It's a nice cycle. But if you just keep trying to farm the same thing over and over again and not di- uh, replenishing the soil, um, we we tr- try to shy away from that.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah. What else? So in the Biteable store, can you tell us more about that? A little bit? You mentioned, you talked about it briefly, but what else is sold on there?
2: Uh, we're starting off with uh, Just Meat. So... Uh, mike calicrate uh he does uh ranch foods direct that's based out of uh, colorado springs but basically we're building a coalition of farmers and producers that are practicing um regenerative farming techniques and who are trying to produce the most nutritious food possible and we want to give them better market access so a consumer could go to Foods. And uh, we only have one producer right now, but you can feel comfort knowing where it comes from. You know, and it, we visited it gets shipped the farm.
0: To your, it gets shipped to the consumer's house kind of thing? Correct, correct. And is it like a monthly subscription or just buy whenever you want to? Like how is it Just buy whenever.
2: Uh, we we just launched it like mm-hmm. a few days ago. Oh, well, um,
0: congrats. That's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we're still working on some uh, – there's going to be more to come for the future, but basically it's going to be a coalition of like-minded farmers who want – they want transparency. They want people to know that their product, where it comes from, how it's raised, um, because they need better market access for that. Um, But the way labeling works it's just put yourself – I mean, you are a consumer. When you go to the uh, grocery store, it's hard to know is this the healthiest thing I can be putting in my body? Because people can do misleading things like use words like all natural. What does that really mean? You know, a consumer could pick up something and think, Oh, this is all natural. It's fine. But when you're comparing this really cheap product, that's made through factory farming to, you know, people that are actually doing good practices that are good for the environment. It's hard for them to compete because real- people don't really know. It's hard to make an informed decision.
0: What's like the typical cost difference between, you know, some meat you could purchase on the store, the biteable store, versus at the local grocery store?
2: Um It's hard to
0: is it like double the price?
2: No, it's not double the price. It it depends on like uh one of our products yeah, yeah, one of our products actually wagyu beef that Mm -hmm. we're gonna be promoting best thing I've ever had in my life by far just mm. by the way um i think that's the cheapest you can get it in america really it's 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 still extremely expensive mm. uh wagyu beef it's um but th- that for example is cheaper um but yeah it it is going to cost a little bit more but it you're
0: getting so what you're much pay for yeah exactly you're paying exactly. for the higher quality and um and I'm sure this is a huge source of pride for the the ranchers and the people that are putting this product out. So,
2: yeah, I mean, if you talk to people who are really that really care about the environment, that uh, really care about what they're selling people, they want transparency. Mm-hmm. They want people to know why their product is so good and why you should come to them. It's just right now it's hard to compete with other producers that might not be doing as good of things that are getting the same type of marketing, our marketing and what we're trying to bring to the table is better market access for people we deem to be doing the right things. And another good thing about the store, um, one of our fruit producers we're bringing up, we launched that first before we have all of our technology out there is that we're going to be using one of our producers for testing our pilots with blockchain.
0: So right now, if I buy some Wagyu beef and get this into my house, will I be able to track it on the blockchain, or is that still in development?
2: Not right now, but, yeah, it's in development, and that's the plan. Got it. So we already have – we're providing that better market access for this producer to let people know, hey, this is good. And then just so you know, it's going to get even better by adding the traceability piece with blockchain.
0: What differentiates uh, Biteable Foods from other food tracking networks or on the blockchain? For example, IBM has their own like food trust, uh, and they're like tracking mangoes, for example, on the blockchain, as well as a company called Origin Trail. How does Biteable Foods differentiate?
2: Uh, Biteable Foods ger- differentiates just in general. It's by who we're partnering with and our like-minded vision we we care about the environment we care about the health of people um we want everyone along the supply chain to utilize that data so that data that producer can look at it they can do pretty much anything they want with it same thing with the retailer we don't want to we want everyone to be equal owners in that and then also who we're partnering with we want to partner with those who are using regenerative agriculture those who are doing the most humane thing possible for the animals and also for the farm workers. Um, so like example, our first uh, um, producer that we're selling through the store, Mike Calicrate, um, mm-hmm. I can vouch for his meat. Uh, we've, we've been to those farms. They're using good practices. We're produ- we're partnering with people like that, that have nothing to hide, that want people to know, how good their product is.
0: That's great. Okay. So, you know, we've always, all of us have been in a situation where we're at the grocery store and we're looking at the uh, different fruits and the fruit stands and there's a organic aisle and then there's the regular aisle. Sometimes they look the same. Sometimes they taste different. Um, How do we know when it's really organic? And what does that even mean? Can you describe like the technical term, organic food?
2: Uh, that's actually a really tough question to answer because it, it depends on the product that's being labeled as organic. Okay. Uh, I know you're talking about fruits and vegetables, but for example, uh, organic dairy or, or organic eggs, for example, I'm pretty sure all that it means is that the feed that was fed to the chicken was organic. But it's safe for that chicken to be caged up and uh be excreting on itself, you know.
0: And that puts a lot of stress on the animal that could have a you know detrimental effects internally in, in their bodies and then uh, you know after which we eat it so it help, you know it turns yeah, out to be bad for exactly, us too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um yeah, I mean the different organic labels can mean different things. It, it's it's really hard to know. That's why biteable we're trying to take it a step further where does your food come from? Um, also, just ha- how was it raised? Because yeah, it's fine to say it's organic, but were those chickens walking around, were, were they pasture raised, you know, as opposed to just the term organic?
0: So how much waste, you know, going back to recalls, I think is really fascinating how much we waste when recall happens. Uh, how much waste is there from unnecessary discarding of food because of imprecise recalls?
2: It's honestly impossible to quantify. I read a statistic that, I don't know if it's like $20 billion, billion, or maybe that's just food waste in general, but it's hard to quantify because think about the example I mentioned earlier about lettuce being thrown away across the entire nation just because you don't know where it came from. All right, right, maybe only... $10,000 Ten thousand dollars worth had to get thrown away, mm-hmm. as opposed to ten million, mm-hmm. or maybe you know a hundred thousand dollars should have been thrown away. It it really is hard to qualify quantify. All I know is that when you're throwing away it um, across the entire nation, that's just because we don't know where the outbreak occurred or where the contamination occurred.
0: Right, and it's not just the lettuce itself. You're talking about you know all those bags, those plastic bags that were pretty much useless in the first place because they didn't uh, provide a service, you know, it was just tossed out. So all yes. the plastic that gets back into the landfills um, is also not a good situation for anyone.
2: Yes. Yeah, same thing with beef. Uh, I don't know. In 2018, it just seemed like you were, I don't know, maybe it's because my mind was on it, but you're hearing uh, recalls happening all the time, Turkey, beef, and you hear things like a hundred thousand pounds of beef recalled. You know that's that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot of money.
2: And and what I was gonna say as far as like a benefit that can be provided to the producers. Now some producers might be like, all right, why why should I uh, pay extra to you know have this more secure and legit supply chain? Well, recalls are gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Th- they're a fact of, of life. And, you know, an example, let's say you have a certain type of beef, uh, USDA call, calls up and says, all right, you have this amount of time to prove um, where this beef originated from or where it was slaughtered. Otherwise, we have to recall everything, right? Mm-hmm. And say, all right, I can't prove it quick enough. Uh, all right, we're going to have to recall all those cows and you could have, to, there might be 30 cows worth that you have to recall. But if you had a um, tighter supply chain and you could go there quickly, you could say, all right, we just have to recall any beef that was from these two cows.
0: How much does government regulation play a role in all of this? And yeah, how does that affect Bitable Inc's decision-making process?
2: Yeah, so I think it's the FSMA, um, the Food Safety Modernization Act. Um, I forget exactly when it's going to get implemented, but it's going to require smaller producers and intermediate producers to trace everything one step forward and one step back. So there already are regulations coming out for better um, traceability of food. So that's going to be a positive for blockchain companies who are trying to get into this. to be honest our goal is to be better than government regulation as far as tracking goes.
0: Yeah, above the the minimum standard.
2: Yes, right? uh, cuz a, a lot of the minimums are just one person saying, "Hey, you just have to trace one step forward and one step back. Who you sent it to, who you got it from." Yeah. Well, really. the food and ingredients can tra- can go so many different places before it actually gets to the consumer. In Biteable's mind, that's not good enough. That's why we're building a supply chain from the farmer all the way to the consumer so that they can see that.
0: Yeah, and if you think about how long it would take to talk to all those parties in between, if they can only give you information about the one forward and behind, um, it's going to take a while, unnecessary. The information is there, it's just siloed, very similar to the healthcare industry and a lot of the um, health data that we silo in EMRs, electronic medical records.
2: And, and also just better. Our vision is that these better supply chains that can focus on, you know, producers doing the right thing and the smaller and the better, the price a smaller producer or farmer can get the better our food system is going to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, and I firmly believe that because I want more of my dollar to be going to that farmer. Um, if you just Google Google, uh, a lot of farmers are going out of business. Uh, margins in the food industry right now are already pretty low. And a lot of times they're kept artificially low. Hmm. So the farmers aren't making as much for their dollar as they used to be. So that's why we're, we think a better supply chain and better market access for these producers. The less desperate, I'm not saying they're desperate, but I'll, I'll give you a story. I have a friend out of uh, san francisco who's i know it's kind of related but he's in the cannabis industry for example mm-hmm. and there's a lot of small uh, producers in that where um, i heard a story that there was a little bit of mold on some cannabis and the person's having trouble trying to make ends meet that small farmer they're like well let's just kind of pick off the mold and we'll still sell it mm-hmm but that cannabis could be going into a medicine that's going to help a child with their um, epilepsy or, because I I know that CBD can help people with seizures. I'm just saying that when the margins are kept so low where um, a lot of money is going to the middlemen who might be fixing prices and not enough money is going to the producer like it should be, then there might be people trying to cut corners because they're like, I cannot really afford not selling this, even though it might not be as healthy. Mm-hmm. Does, does that kind of make sense, how yeah. more money in farmers' hands can make the food system safer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, using blockchain for cannabis supply tracking is, is a huge industry now as well. There's lots of companies trying to do that as as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, Kevin, um, can you tell me who your favorite business person, researcher, or scientist is in history or now?
2: Can I mind? use this as kind of a, an, ex, an excuse to say, shamelessly plug our podcast?
0: You could do whatever you want. You can say whatever <laughs> you want.
2: No, I'm being honest about this, though. As far as what I'm passionate about, the mm-hmm. as far as business person, I can't pick just one person. Mm-hmm. But my passion is the food industry. Mm-hmm. And Biteable, we firmly believe that everyone in the food industry plays their part. Uh, for example, in our podcast, we've talked with urban farmers out of San Francisco, North Carolina. That's an important part of education. Mm-hmm. Just an example right there. The, those urban far- farms, a lot of people in the city um, that have been studies don't really think about where their food comes from. So if you can bring people in from the cities into those urban farms, seeing things grown organically, they get to see how it's grown. They get to try it, realize it's better than what they can usually get at a store. That's that's the grassroots right there. I'd say the people like urban farmers, people who are just trying to do the educational piece, saying we can make a better food system. Those are my favorite people in research and business right now. So what is your
0: favorite food?
2: Uh Talked a lot about food here. And Yeah, so I got to have something
0: that comes to mind.
2: Fish tacos? Fish tacos? Okay. Fish tacos or uh like I said, uh the the steak I've been eating.
0: The, wag- uh, the wagyu.
2: Yeah, the wagyu steak that I tried, it's it's seriously amazing.
0: I got to check it out. Check it out at the store. Um what's your least favorite food and why
2: baby carrots,
0: baby carrots? Why? Baby carrots.
2: Uh, I don't know. I just can't eat them.
0: Okay. Um, so yeah, this has been pretty, you know, informative conversation. I think it's been really great. Uh, do you have any recommended readings or resources for our listeners here?
2: Yeah. So just go Google regenerative agriculture, see mm-hmm. what research people are doing out there. Um, Peter Bix specifically out of uh, I think it's Arizona State. Um, he's done d- documentaries like Carbon Nation, you know, things more for the climate, but him and his team are uh, working on a uh, documentary on regenerative agriculture. Um, also go search the Country of Origin Labeling Act. like what I was talking about just to see that, yeah, just because something says it's from America doesn't mean that it originated from America. Hmm, so uh, go research that. Um, also, Fast Food Nation is a book. Omnivore's Dilemma. Uh, just, I would encourage everyone to just go research more about, just think beyond the label. Just because something says it has wheat in it, or just because it says it has this on the label, go find out more about what's required to be in labeling and whether that's accurate.
0: That's actually an interesting point. I feel like there hasn't been much innovation around the nutrition label in a long, long time. Are Is the government or any like regulatory bodies looking to change or improve or provide more information in those labels or is that not I a don't, concerned right now?
2: I don't think so and also as far as regulatory bodies go um, that our government there. are there aren't enough inspectors.
0: Yeah, I so, heard that
2: for sure. Yeah, there there aren't enough inspectors. So, yeah, there there might be some government people saying, "Yeah, we need to improve this," but is there the money to do so?
0: Well, hopefully, you know, with companies like Bitable Inc., uh, we can bring it back to the people and let us let the blockchain kind of you know self manage it. Um, We'll see. Yeah,
2: because at the end of the day, blockchain is a tool to help people have assurance that what the food they're getting is what they say they're getting. But at the end of the day, in order to make a change in the food system, which takes us, which takes um, the restaurant owners, takes the butchers, it takes the consumers to go change that. Hmm. Like How you vote with your dollar does matter. You know, if, if you wanna go support those farmers who are not devastating the environment or are getting their product from a place that might be out of the nation that are doing good practices, if you're voting with your dollar to buy that, the demand will increase and we'll see more of a move away from um, the big ag approach um, that might not be doing things right.
0: Wonderful. Anything else you want to leave the audience with? Any uh, announcements you have? or
2: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when this is going to air, but um, we're in the soft launch of our Biteable Foods sh- store right now, which is if you go to biteablefoods.com, um, you can click shop now. and It'll go to shop.biteablefoods.com. Um, you'll be able to see our first producer on there, um, which is calcrate beef, calcrate pork. Um, So yeah, I would say check that out, and if you are a producer who is interested in uh, our blockchain or IoT technology, I would say go to BiteableFoods.com. There's also a spot there that you can look at our services and you can reach out to us.
0: Well, thank you again, Kevin. Really appreciate your time here.
2: Yeah, thank you. It's been fun.
0: Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk, health warriors, and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org and remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group t.me/healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students to listen and subscribe. Thank you.